We're currently finishing up today a series called Set Free. Uh, we live in probably what most of us would consider to be the greatest country in the world. We live in a country where people have died and given their lives for one basic idea, and that is the idea that we can live free. Now, I want to say I am so grateful for, and I'm so grateful to all of those who have dedicated their lives and have given their lives and have sacrificed their lives. And in fact, we have a church full of people who have served this country so that we can be free. And, I, and I'm so, so proud of those who have done that and have given that to us. But what we understand about freedom is that freedom is not always what we think it to be. I don't know if that's a proper way to say that. But we kind of sometimes get an idea that the idea of freedom is the idea of having no rules. There's no law. There's no regulations. And we know that that cannot be true. Freedom can only survive when there are rules. Freedom can only survive when there are responsibilities to go with the rules or the freedoms that we have. John Adams, who helped write the Declaration of Independence or who was part of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, he, he wrote uh, the Constitution for the state of Massachusetts, I think it was, and which is what our American Constitution is partly based on. Um, John Adams, who was our first vice president, and I believe it was our second president, said this about our freedoms that we have. And I want to read what he said. Um, John Adams wrote, and he said this, Our Constitution was only made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So even our forefathers, as they wrote the Constitution, as they tried to enshrine this idea of freedom that we may have years later, understood that even our very freedoms that we enjoy are only as good as the values we live. Of what we hold ourselves to. When we're not careful, when we do not understand that there is restrictions that have to be placed upon our freedoms, we, we kind of come to this idea and we realize very quickly that one person's freedom becomes another person's prison. We, we all understand this so easily. When you get out on the road to go somewhere, there are a list of rules that, whether we obey them or not, there's a list of rules that we try to allow to govern our actions, don't we? There's these little signs on the side of the road that has a number on it. And it's not the one that says what road you're on, but the one that says how fast you're supposed to be going. And for the most part, most of us try to kind of keep within a distance of around somewhere that number because we understand if we don't, one person's freedom becomes another person's prison. When it comes to the road, we, we understand we come to these intersections that have these little lights with three colors on them. 
And they kind of symbolize different things like go, you need to stop, now you better stop. And though for the most part, most of us try to follow those three colored light system, we know that when people do not obey those three light systems, what do we have? One person's freedom becomes another person's imprisonment. We, we get on the road and we decide to say, hey, everyone's gonna drive on the one side of the road. We're not gonna have people driving on both. It, we, we hold to, we try to maintain a set of standards and responsibilities because we understand that freedom has to have its restrictions. And so when it comes to our freedoms, we have politicians who will constantly begin to ask two questions. How, how do we, in order for us to maintain the freedoms that we have, we continually ask two questions, don't we? What are we free from? And what are we free to do? So in order to maintain our, our freedoms for us as a country, we have our politicians continually battle it out and fight it out. What are we free from and what are we free to do? Now, there's disagreements over what it looks like, but I can say honestly, I am still amazed and, and excited and thankful that we still live in a free country that I can meet together here Sunday morning and worship God openly without fear of persecution. I'm free to travel anywhere in this great country we have by just getting in my car and taking off. Rusty's getting ready to go visit Mount Rushmore. Man, if you've ever been there, when you drive up and you see the big president's head stuck on the side of the mountain, there's something about that whole place that is just, it sends the shivers up and down your spine. I love the fact that we still live in a country where I can go out and I can buy a house of my choice as long as I can afford it. I have that freedom. So we continually ask and we continually, hey, what are we free from and what are we free to do? But have you ever tried to ask these questions when it comes to our own personal responsibility? Sometimes when it comes to the way we live our lives, we, we want our politicians to continue to fight over and, and to battle over and, hey, you guys need to figure out what are we free from and what are we free to do and, and we're gonna elect you in based on what we think. But when it comes to personal rights, we kind of get a little bit touchy. We don't like the idea that someone else is gonna tell me personally what I can and can't do or what I am free to to do and not to do. And, and so we kind of live in a place where we kind of, yeah, I want it out there civilly for everyone, but don't pull it in too close to me. When it starts infringing upon my own personal rights, then we've gone too far, haven't we? And so we kind of come up with this idea, and there's a lot of these catchphrases out there that, that kind of shows where, we, where most of us kind of feel like when, <sighs> okay, help me out. Have you ever heard some of these sayings? It's my rights. Okay, you, 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 there, okay. As an American, that's probably one of our guys. Hey, this is my rights. What about this one? It's my body. I'll do with it as I want to. 
Uh, what about this one? Don't tell me how to live my life. I'll make my own mistakes. What about this one? I, I, I used to hear this one a fair bit. Hey, we should be able to work hard and play even harder. Drive like you stole it. Yeah, okay. I'm glad Rusty's heard some of you. I'm not sure, Rusty, I'm not sure if I should be a little concerned about this or... But we hear these catchphrases over and over and over again. They become part of our, hey, they become a part of some of our mottos, don't they? It's, it's my right. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good ones out there, aren't there? But here, here's the problem. When we live by these mottos, these catchphrases, when we do not ask the same questions, what are we free from and what are we free to do in our own lives, what we find out is that we begin to find ourselves living out unintended consequences. This is when we begin to actually live out these mottos. Now, now these mottos are great for a free society. They help us understand how we live. They help us understand what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. But when it becomes a personal motto on how I live my life, when I want to live this way, it leads to addictions, anger, fear, bitterness, resentment, broken relationships. Yes, we may have the right to do something, but when we do, it causes all sorts of consequences. Unfettered freedom has... Results. Look, the freedoms that our forefathers gave us, I'm extremely proud of. And I do think we should fight to preserve them. But the freedom that God gave us when he paid for our freedom on a cross is far more valuable If we're going to live our lives that are not caught in anger, bitterness, resentment, fear, broken relationships, we're going to have to come to that same two questions that we demand that our politicians ask. What are we free from? What are we free to do? Now, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you know we've kind of covered some of these, but I'm going to just spell it out today. But we began to say, number one, we are free from the consequences of our sin. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, when we accept what he did for us on the cross, we become free from the consequences of our sin. In Romans chapter eight, verses one to three, Paul said this. So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of this life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. 
by giving his son a sacrifice for our sins. So number one, we see that God, when we give our life to him, what are we free from? We're free from the consequences of sin. Number two, though, what are we free to do? We're free to live our lives for the purpose that God has made us. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we're not just free from those permanent consequences that separate us from God, that, that idea that sin separates us and demands that it must be paid for, and so this is where hell comes in. And he says, no, I, I set you free from that. You, you're no longer held liable for that, but, but you're not just free from that, you're free to do. And so we begin to understand that what we're free to do is to live our lives the way that God intended for us to live. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when we began to look at this last week, verses 18 and 27, Paul told us this, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Simply knowing what we are free from and what we're free to do it's not really enough, is it? I mean, it, it sounds good. We know that as a society is free, if there are no rules, then that freedoms that we do have will become lost. If we do not learn to restrict our freedoms, then the freedoms we have not only become lost, but they begin to cause pain. They begin to cause suffering. Now, when Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ, Paul had a history that was pretty, sorry. He had a history that had caused him to have people put in prison, put people put to death. He had a history that stopped and said, hey, ugh, this, is not, this is not what I want to be. This is not what God has called me to be. And so the Apostle Paul understood that when he gave his life to Jesus Christ, this idea that God had set him free from was good. That was a great start. He, he loved that idea that God had set him free, but he also understood that God had a bigger purpose than simply to be set free from the consequences of those sins. And so as he began to look through his life, he begins to challenge us, us with the same conclusion that he came to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he goes on to say this. And so as he's looking at you, he's looking at me, and he says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. I'm an American. I have that right. You can't tell me what to do. I'm a Christian. God has set me free from the consequences of my sin." Okay, he didn't quite say all those last couple phrases. But in a sense, that's what Paul is looking at us. And he's saying, hey, you say, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm allowed to do anything. God saved me. He forgave me. But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. The freedom that God gave to us when he forgave us was not conditional. He did not say, if you first clean up your life, I will forgive you. 
I will forgive you only if you do clean up your life. I will forgive you if. In fact, there were no ifs with his promise. And so Paul says, so sometimes there's this little idea that it says, it doesn't really matter how I live then as a follower of Jesus Christ because I am set free. And Paul says, no. That is not the way we can live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. We have not been freed from one thing to become a slave of another. Everything may be allowed, but not everything is helpful or good. When he forgave me, he forgave my past, he forgave my present, he forgave my future. But now, I'm called to, I've been saved from, but now what am I free to do? It's not good enough simply to be freed from something. We are freed to do something, to live some way. And so Paul continues on. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. We are warned that just because God freed us does not give us the right or the permission to live any way we want to. Poor choices. In fact, if we were to take Galatians chapter five, and I just, I I had so many verses up, but he goes on to tell us, now the works of the flesh are evident. It is these things. And so he tells us, if you live your life to the idea of unfettered freedom, well, God has set me free so I can live any way I want. Then he goes on and he says this, that our lives will lead to jealousy, to anger, to hatred, to discord. Now, we know this already. We didn't need someone to tell us this. But when we allow our lives, whether as followers of Jesus Christ or not as followers of Jesus Christ, to be lived with a way of no one's going to ever tell me what to do, it leads to anger, to hatred. You you ever had a neighbor take their blower back and blow all the leaves from his lawn onto yours? Well, I hope not because what does it do? It leads to Anger, resentment. When we live our lives saying, I'm allowed to do it, there's no law that says I can't blow my leaves onto your lawn. We hurt ourselves and we hurt each other. As followers of Jesus Christ, if we continue to do that which we know is wrong, simply because God has forgiven me of my past, my present, and my future, Paul says all we do is we begin to lead our lives into another kind of slavery. We allow ourselves to be controlled by anger, bitterness, resentment, discord. And if you actually continue to read, there's a whole list that continues to go on. But we know this. It's not that as Paul writes this, we're not sitting there going, Paul, you, you, you just revealed something new to us because we know this already. We live it. We understand it in our lives and so we begin to understand that if our lives are going to be lived in freedom, we have to begin to put rules and regulations into our life. 
Instead, we are told the idea of being free is not the idea of uncontrolled freedom. It is the idea of bringing our lives under control. No longer is the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, it's my right. You can't tell me what to do. It's my body. I'll make my own mistakes. We begin to ask other questions. You see, when, when we begin to understand and we begin to ask the question, what are we free from and what are we free to do? We begin to change the questions that we begin to ask. We begin to look at, well, why am I here? What, what, is the, what am I for? And so Paul begins to write to us and he begins to challenge us with our idea of freedom. And he begins to say, if you've been called to freedom, then you need to do something with it. You're called to live your life, not just for yourself, but for the purpose of what you were made for. In Galatians chapter five, verses 13 and 15, he continues on and he says this, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. And we kind of read this part, didn't we? And we get it. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And this is where we stop. But he continued on actually in the chapter to say this. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you don't, what are the consequences? Living out in anger, bitterness, resentment, discord. Well, Paul says this. If you bite and devour one another, or if you, yeah, watch out because you will be destroyed by each other. When we allow ourselves to do what we want to do versus what we are called to do. Paul tells us that our lives get lived out to the place where we begin to bite, devour, and consume one another. When our lives are lived only for my freedoms and not my responsibilities, when they're only lived out on the one side, all we begin to do is we bite, we devour, we consume, and we hurt. The freedom that we are called to calls us to live our lives for the purpose that says it's not about my individual rights. What has God called me to do? It changes my question from how does it help me to how does this help me help you? It's close. It's nearly the same. It just simply finishes the thought. You see, when we live our lives solely consumed upon what are my freedoms, everything that happens is about how does this help me? God desires that we change that question and we move that dial a little farther instead of how does this help me to how will this help me help you? This calls me to put my ideas of freedom on the side and regulate my own freedom, the way I act, what I do, what I say, how I respond. 
would you want to live that way? I mean, seriously. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm one of these people who, by nature, I'm a skeptic. I gotta be honest with you. I hear something, and the first thing that comes to my mind is this great big question mark. A little grin comes on my face, and I'm just thinking, yeah, okay. And so I even do this, and I catch myself, even as a pastor, as I stop here and I say, hey, we're called to live a life free, a life that calls us beyond ourselves, asking the question, well, what's in it for me to, how is this gonna help me help you? I go, yeah, okay, that sounds good. But why would you? What would cause a person to stop and really wanna live their life in this fashion? I mean, Well, I can tell you why. Number one, we know what the consequences are if we don't. If you wanna see what it looks like, go home this afternoon, take your leaf blower and start blowing your leaves onto your neighbor's lawn, okay? Just give it a shot. Take your lawnmower and start blowing all your grass clippings onto his, okay? I just just give it a, give it a whirl you begin to see what this idea of unfettered freedom looks like. So why do we want to begin to restrict our freedom? Why do we want to get to a place where we say, this is not going to be about me? I'm going to begin to ask the question, well, how will this help me help you? How will this cause me to ask the question, what am I free from and what am I free to do? But, you know, hey, that's a good thing. I mean, I don't have my anger, my, my neighbors throwing the dog droppings over the fence back at me. But it does more than that. You see, when we begin to ask this question, why would I wanna do this? Why would I wanna change the way I live my life? Why would I wanna begin to restrict my own freedoms in my own life? Why would I wanna begin to ask what is in it for someone else? It's quite simple. God wants to change your world. And I know you didn't ask for that, did you? But the reality is, is God wants to change your world. He wants to do something in you and through you. Why do I want to live this way? Well, because God has this thing that he stops and he says, I desire more for you than what you see. I actually have a plan and a purpose for your life that I would like to see accomplished. Why do I want to live this way? Because when I begin to live my life for the purpose that I've been made for, something changes inside me. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we read this. So this is, as he's talking about the idea of freedom, this is still all in the idea that he's talking about being free. Paul concludes with these ideas, and he says this. But now the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control.
You see, we had looked at the other idea, and we, deal, we dealt with this idea of unfettered freedom, though everything is allowed for us to do. When we live that idea that, well, I'm allowed to do anything, and God's going to love me and forgive me anyhow. And that's true. He will. But it leads to anger, bitterness, resentment, discord. When we choose to follow, when we choose to restrict our freedom, when we begin to ask the question, not what is in it for me, but how can I do this to help someone else out? Paul tells us something happens. It allows God to do something in our lives, to work through our lives, so that this, he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. We begin to live lives that are full of joy, love, peace, gentleness, patience, goodness, self-control. Why do you want to live that? You know, here's the funny thing. I've never really met anyone yet who doesn't want this for their own life. Very rarely do I stop and meet someone who says, yeah, I want to be an angry person. I just love being bitter. You know what? I, I just love the way jealousy consumes me all the time. I, I just love when I walk into the room and everyone fights and argues. I just love that. You know, if you've met a person like that, you know what the first thing that comes to your mind is? That person's sick. We don't look at that person and go, hey, that's what I want to emulate. That's what I want to be like. Almost all of us desire one thing from our lives. We desire to have lives that are full of love, that are full of joy, that are full of peace, that are full of patience. We desire that. We don't even need to be followers of Jesus Christ and we want this for our life. And Paul says when you begin to change your mindset, when you begin to control your freedom, when you begin to put rules and regulations upon your freedom that ask the question of how is this going to help someone else out, these things begin to come naturally. Simply asking the question. Trying to live my life with just a little control on my own freedom. What's in it for me? Well, God tells us, Paul tells us, when you learn to control, restrict your freedom. You can put your head on your pillow at night with no regret. I don't have to stop and worry who's going to catch me out. I don't have to worry about who's going to see that. Did I make sure I got my tracks covered? We don't have to live our lives like that. So Paul encourages us to ask the two questions. What are we free from? What are we free to do? We've been set free. Look, I'm, I'm so proud of the country we live in. And I think we should continually ask those two questions. What are we free from and what are we free to do? And I hope our politicians will continue to fight over and to argue over what that means. And I hope that we will continue to vote for politicians who agree with the way we think that they answer those questions. But more importantly, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope we begin to ask that question and allow it to moderate our own lives. What are we free from? 
and what are we free to do? I wanna close today just by asking two questions. I, I give you guys always a set of questions each week. I'm only giving you two today. I, I, this, is a, this is like free pass week almost, so only two questions. So I'm gonna ask this first question. What do you need to be freed from? What in your life is, is kind of controlling you? What is it that's in the back of your mind that constantly has you worried that someone's gonna catch you? What are you sitting there saying, hey, if I could gain victory over this one area, this is what it would be. What is that one thing in your life that is holding you back right now from being what God wants you to be? So, what do you need God to set you free from? Question number two. If you were freed from this thing, how would it help you help others? You see, it's great to want to be free from something, but if it, if it is only about what it does for you and how it helps you feel better and how it makes you look better and how it makes you feel a little warm and fuzzies on the inside, it's not good enough. You see, God has called you to be free. He wants to set you free. But it's got to be for a purpose. He wants to set you free for something bigger than yourself. He wants to set you free from yourself. So, two questions this week. Simple enough. What would you like to be freed from? And what would it look like? How would it help someone else out if you were? Let's close our heads in prayer. Or our, our bow our heads in prayer. Father, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you died on the cross for me and you forgave me. You did set me free from the consequences that sin had me bound in. The reality that I deserve death and I deserve hell, but that was not what you wanted for me and so you came. You gave your son and you simply said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You told us that there was a free gift, the gift of eternal life. And so, Father, you forgave us. You forgave our past, you forgive our present, and you will forgive our future. But, Lord, you didn't call us, you didn't set us free to live selfish lives, bound into a different kind of slavery, You saved us so that we could be free to live life with purpose, with clarity, with no regret, with joy, with peace, with patience. And Father, I know those are things that I want in my life. And I believe it is things that we all want from all of our lives. You said if we're gonna do it, we need to ask that question, what are we free to do? How will this help others? So Father, I pray. May we as a church, may we as individuals live a life not consumed with how does this help us out? 
but what's in it for others. May we share this grace. May we share your love. Lord, may your mercy be that which governs our life. In your name we pray. Amen.